Hello everyone and it's a pleasure to be back to give you a share on Pirkei Avot. And today we're going to be looking at the next Mishnah in Perik Base. We finished last time talking about Hillel Hazoken, some of the incredible sayings of Hillel Hazoken, Hillel the Elder. His primary Talmud, although in a minute I'll tell you that in, in effect he wasn't his primary Talmud, but his primary Talmud was a man called Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was the interim head of the Beisdin, of the Sanhedrin and the Nossi, until such time as Rabbi Gamliel uh, took over, and then it was Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, and after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, when they went to Yavne, and he'd established the yeshiva in Yavne, he put Rabbi Gamliel the second, the Rabbi Gamliel, who is a contemporary of all of his Talmidim, a descendant of Hillel, he put him in as the next, uh, as the next Nossi and the next head of the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin unfolded from there. The important thing to remember about Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is that he is considered, and this is what's so incredible, as possibly the least impressive of all the Talmidim of Hillel. And it's to give you some idea of two things. First of all, you don't have to have the most impressive intellect necessarily in order to achieve the greatness of someone like Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. They say about him that he knew everything. He knew Midrash, he knew Agoda, he knew Halacha, he knew every possible aspect of um, Jewish law and tradition. He was an incredible expositor of Jewish law, and he was a very wise leader. And I think that perhaps it's hyperbole to say that he wasn't the best Talmud of, of Hillel, I think the point of that is to tell you that it's not necessarily greatness in intellect or having been born into something that makes you a great leader and a great Talmud Chacham, a great scholar. It is the fact that you put in the hard work and you find the right mentor and you're in the, the right environment and then you can aspire to greatness and achieve it. So that was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who was such... Um, a powerful leader at the time of the end of the second Beis Hamikdash was somebody who was um, a, uh, um, an opponent of the Sadducees of the Tzidukim and also of the Zealots. The Zealots were the Kanoim in Yerushalayim who wanted to do battle with the Romans who felt that it was uh, completely inappropriate to in any way surrender to the Romans and he felt that the Tzidukim are wrong and the Kanoim are wrong, and he found that he wasn't able to prevail. He wasn't able, in Yerushalayim, things were terrible. They, there was a siege going on. Um, the Roman general, Vespasian, he had come to lead the Roman army, and Vespasian was camped outside Yerushalayim. We have full reports of what was going on outside the walls of Yerushalayim from Josephus. And in Yerushalayim, there was complete and utter chaos. Anybody who tried in any way, shape or form to reach a compromise or be flexible with the Roman invaders was put to death and there was no supplies. And essentially, the Kanoim believed that they needed to die Al-Kiddush Hashem rather than um, give up any, uh, even an inch in their battle with the Romans. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai realized the writing was on the wall that this was over, the battle was over. The war, 
between the Jews and the Romans was not winnable. And therefore he had himself smuggled out in a coffin. And he came out and he met with Vespasian and he told him he is the emperor of Rome. He said, I'm not the emperor of Rome. My father's the emperor of Rome. And just as he said that, a messenger came, arrived from Rome to tell him that his father had died and he was now the new emperor of Rome. So as a result of Rabbi Yochanan Mitzakai telling him this and um, conveying this information before it had been confirmed, he granted Rabbi Yochanan Mitzakai uh, three wishes. And the most important one, the one that we remember most of all, is Tainli Yavne Vechachomeha. He said, I'd like to move the seat of Torah learning. I don't want their, uh, the Torah to uh, become extinct. The seat of Torah learning and ultimately the seat of the Sanhedrin. The yeshiva that's attached to the Sanhedrin should be in a place called Yavne. And Vespasian, the general, the Roman general, granted him this wish. Uh, and the rest, as they say, is our history. Because as a result of that incredible intervention by Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, as soon as the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed and people were in utter despair, he had not a solution, but he had a plan. And that plan, plan B, was to start up again in Yavne. And as a result of that, the Torah of Eretz Yisrael and Judaism was able to thrive and survive uh, in a different environment, in a different setting, and with different um, uh, priorities, perhaps. There was no longer a Beis Amikdosh, but nevertheless, that was the brainchild of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. He was an extraordinary leader, and he continued for quite some time, even after they moved to Yavne, and then he died. According to the Gemara, he was 120 years old, and he lay on his deathbed, and he had conversations. They are recorded in the Gemara. And uh, he was an extraordinary individual who had five principal Talmidim. And now we're going to look at Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, what he said, who his Talmidim were, and what he said about them. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, Kibel mihilal umishamai. His teachers were Hillel and they were Shammai. So as we know, Shammai took over from Hillel. He was much younger than Hillel. I've said that in a previous year. And their primary student, as it were, or as I explained it earlier, was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Who are your Omer? What did he say? Im If you are somebody who has studied a lot of Torah, you've become a great Torah scholar, you've mastered every Masechta in Shas, and you know everything that there is to know about Judaism, about Jewish law, about uh, uh, the uh, interpretation of the Torah, etc. Well, you might be very proud of yourself. What does he say? It's not correct to in any way think yourself to be special as a result of what you've learnt. That's the wrong approach. That's the wrong attitude. Why? You were only created. You were only formed. You only emerged as a result of the fact that you were charged with studying Torah. You're just doing your duty. And as Nelson said in his last message at the Battle of Waterloo, England expects every man to do his duty. You are expected to do your duty. And what is your duty if not to study Torah? So don't pat yourself on the back. Oh, I learnt another duff today. Of course you learnt another duff. In the same ways when you woke up this morning, you breathed. And you had a cup of coffee or a drink and you had breakfast and you 
got to dress. These are all things that you need to do in order to function in life. Studying Torah is like breathing. It's like the oxygen. Because you were only born to fulfill your duty, to discharge your duty as a Torah studier. And that's what you did. So Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, one of the greatest of all Torah scholars in the history of Torah scholars, is telling you, don't take any extra pride in the fact that you study Torah. Don't take any extra pride. Don't feel yourself to be better than anyone else, or perhaps not in comparison to anyone else, but to be special as a result of the Torah that you've studied, because you've, had, you've studied so much Torah. You're an amazing Talmud Chochem. You're so knowledgeable. Why? Because you were created to do that. You're doing your duty. And he continues... The Mishnah says, He had five primary Talmidim. He had many others, but five primary Talmidim. And these, by the way, were the backbone Tanoim of the Mishnah and of the period immediately after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdosh. The, the five that we're about to talk about, not all of them, appear regularly in the, in the Gemara or in the, in the Mishnah. Some of them only appear in the Midrashim. Um, or even very rarely there, but it appears that their influence was profound at the time of their life, and much of what they taught uh, has percolated its way through the centuries, through the millennia, and we have uh, their knowledge to gain from even in our day. Whether they are mentioned or not, these are who they are, and these were the characteristics that made them outstanding. The Eluhain, these are the five. Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus. Rabbi Eliezer, the son of Hurkanus, we're going to come to him in a minute. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah, the great Rabbi Yeshua. Whenever you see Rabbi Eliezer in the Mishnah, we're talking about Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkanus. Whenever you see Rabbi Yeshua in the Mishnah, we're talking about Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah. These were the, these were, uh, the name. They didn't need anything extra to identify them. They were the definitive Rabbi Eliezer and the definitive Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yossi Akoin. So he was, he's an interesting one, as we're going to see. Rabbi Yossi Akoin is much less known and very rarely mentioned in the Gemara because he was a great Kabbalist. He was one of the uh, Kabbalists before Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, and possibly Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai learnt from him or from someone who learnt from him. But you're going to see what he was considered and how he is featured in this Mishnah. Rabbi Shimon ben Nasanel. Shimon ben Nasanel is another one who we don't know much about, or he's not mentioned that often, but he seems to have been a person of great influence during the lifetime of, of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And finally, we have Rabbi Loza ben Aruch. He's fascinating. His story is very, very interesting, as you're going to hear in a moment. And his, he is a name that one does hear. He does come up. Hu So Rabbi, um, uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, he understood his Talmidim. By the way, this was one of the chidushim, one of the great innovations of the altar of Slabodka. Um, his name was Rnosan uh, Svi Finkel. He founded Slabodka Yeshiva in the late 1800s. Eventually, about 40 years later, it moved to Hebron. And after the Hebron massacre of 1929, it relocated to Yerushalayim. It still exists today, Hebron Yeshiva. But at the beginning, it was a very small yeshiva, and he was very selective about the bochrim, about the students that he took into the yeshiva. And his innovation was that each person has a nakuda, has some aspect of their character in which they will excel, 
and in, um, through which they will be an example to others. That doesn't mean that they've failed in every other characteristic, not at all. What it means is that they have one aspect of their character from which we can all learn because they have really been uh, superlative examples of a person who has that characteristic. So that's what we're going to be discussing now with reference to the five Talmidim of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. So he says, he um, sp spoke about all five of them. Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkunus. Who is Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkunus? He's an interesting one. He only started learning later in life. He had a very wealthy father called Hurkunus. Um, and Rabbi Eliezer, by the way, he was the Rebbe of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Eliezer ben Hurkunus was the Rebbe of Rabbi Akiva. And his father was a wealthy man who disowned him, who absolutely cast him out because he decided at some late stage of his life and his adult life already, not as a child, that he wanted to study Torah. And Horkinus doesn't seem to have been that interested to have a son who was a Talmud Chochem. As a result of which, he said, I disinherit you, I want to have nothing more to do with you. Anyway, one day Horkinus turns up in Yerushalayim to the yeshiva of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, or wherever it is that they sat and learnt in their base medrash. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was warned, or he recognized him, and he asked for uh, Rabbi Yezer, the son of Hurkanus, to speak that day. And Hurkanus was so impressed that he uh, re-inherited him, as it were, took him on board and supplied him with everything he needed. Now, Rabbi Yezer was a tough person. He was very conservative, uh, and he was a, a great traditionalist. He had a very strong personality, and um, he was certainly no pushover. And we know from the famous story of the oven, um, where he disagreed with every single other person about whether or not um, the oven um, should or shouldn't be used. And as a result of which, he was cast out and put in cherem. Rabbi Akiva had to come to him, and he dressed in sackcloth, and he told him, unfortunately, because of your intransigence, because you're so stubborn, we can't include you in the base medrash anymore. He moved away. And later on, he was forgiven and re-included, although uh, subsequently he seems to have been less involved in the, in the center of Torah, which was in Yavne, and he seems to have really run his own affairs. But Rabbi Yezab ben Hurkanus was one of the greatest of all the Tanoim, quoted so many times in the Mishnah. In fact, he's the sixth um, highest um, of all the Tanoim quoted in the Mishnah, number six on the list is Rabbi Yezer, number seven on the list is Rabbi Yeshua, the next one. So what did he say about, um, about Rabbi Yezer ben Hurkanus? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka, his Rabbi, described him as follows, Boir sud tipa. The man was a walking fount of information. Whatever you told him, he never forgot. He had a photographic memory or an um, audio memory, whatever it is, whatever information you ever told him, he remembered. He had an incredible memory. No piece of information was never lost. To the extent that late in his life he told his Talmidim, these are the things I heard from my Rebbe, and he would repeat verbatim the words that he had heard, I, I'm guessing from Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai or from some of the great sages of the time when he was studying Torah together with Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. He was able to repeat. He was like a recorder who could regurgitate the information at will. That was his... That doesn't mean that all of the other qualities that we're going to see in the other Talmidim of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, that he didn't have those as well, but he didn't excel at those in quite the way that he did at this, at being um, the um, container that never lost even a drop of information. He was a walking Google. The next one is um, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah. Now, Rabbi Yeshua, I mean, not that you're ever allowed to have favorites, 
but Rabbi Yeshua is probably my favorite. He was so laid back and so easygoing, and he had a tremendous sense of humor, and he was so diplomatic. He was involved with Jews and with non-Jews, with people who were Talmidei Chachomim and people who were Amaratzim. And he always had patience for everybody. He never got offended. He was the one who Rabbi Gamliel, in Yavne, um, uh, he was very rude to him, and then he was rude to him for a second time, as a result of which all the other rabbis in Yavne deposed Rabban Gamliel from the Sanhedrin and appointed Rabbi Loza ben Azariah in his place because they were so upset at the way that he had treated, in a very high-handed fashion, the way he had treated Rabbi Yeshua. And Rabbi Yeshua went to other countries. He didn't just stay in Eretz Yisrael. He went to Egypt. He went elsewhere. He was somebody who was a fabulous communicator and a wonderful person and uh, so good-natured. You just couldn't find anything bad to say about him. Rabbi Yeshua ben Chanania, Ashrei Yoiladotoi. That's what Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai says about him. Happy is the day that he was born, because he just is a breath of fresh air. You know those types of people, they walk into a room and they just bring good cheer and they make people feel good. And even though you know that they are, they know so much more than you do, and they are so intelligent, they can speak to you at any level, and they can talk about any subject, and they don't get offended or angry, and they're not sensitive, and they're not arrogant. He was such a person. It's just a pleasure to have such people around. They're so wonderful to be with. That was Rabbi Yehoshua. He was everyone's favorite, and dare I admit it, he's my favorite as well. And Rabbi Yehoshua and Rabbi Yehoshua often disagreed on matters of halacha, many of the recorded statements of Rabbi Yeza are in opposition to recorded statements of Rabbi Hoshua because they disagreed on so many halachic issues. And Rabbi Yeza seems to have been more of a Talmud of the kind of the Beishamai school, even though officially he was a Talmud of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who was a Talmud of Hillel. But, Hillel, but don't forget, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai also learned from Shammai, as we learned at the beginning of the Mishnah. He seems to have taken on the Shammai approach to everything to do with halacha. He was much more stringent in his application of Jewish law. Whereas Rabbi Yeshua was much more of a Hillel type, much more lenient, looking to make things easier, not to make things more difficult. So you had this Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, who is a Talmud of Hillel and Shammai, and who has both elements in him, and he has one Talmud. These are the two chief Talmudim of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, one of whom is a, more of a reflection of his Shammai side, and the other one which is more, who is more of a reflection of his Hillel side. And then we have Rabbi Yossi HaKoyin. Rabbi Yossi HaKoyin is a bit of an enigma. He's not mentioned very often. And the way he's referred to here by Rabbi Yochanan Medzaka is Chosid, one word. He was a Chosid. He was extremely pious. He seems to have been the person people look to as to how they should behave. He wasn't a great um, teacher necessarily. He wasn't a pedagogue. He wasn't a great communicator necessarily. But he was the finest example of piety at the time of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and his Talmidim. He was a role model for all of his friends and all of the community, the congregation. That whenever they looked at, let's say they wanted to know how to daven, they would look at how Rabbi Yochanan davened. Because if they saw how he davened, then they would know how to daven. Then when they saw how he spoke to people, how polite he was, how he never spoke Lashon horror, how he was, and in addition to that, he was also a great Kabbalist. He studied the secrets. He was involved in studying all the secrets of Kabbalah. And I guess he must have had a very small group of people around him whom he taught 
with whom he communicated these ideas because Kabbalah, you have to receive Kabbalah from a Rebbe and then pass it on to your Talmud. That's the whole point of it. And um, therefore, his statements are not recorded um, and they don't proliferate throughout the Talmud and throughout the Medrash. But nevertheless, we know from Rabbi Yechonim and Zakkai that he was the greatest chosid of his time. Then we have Rabbi Shimon ben Asanel. Rabbi Shimon ben Asanel was a Yerechet. His whole objective in life was to convey, and we're going to see other statements that we have here in um, we have uh, um, other statements from Reb Shimon ben Asana. We see what, how frightened he was to ever put himself in a situation that could lead possibly, potentially to hate. He was so cautious. He said at all times, Hashem gave you life. Hashem put you on this world. At all times, make sure that you're avoiding sin, that you don't put yourself into a situation where... You can't avoid it. You can't help it. You can, of course, you can, you can say, well, it wasn't my fault. I didn't know. So he studied Torah. He knew halacha backwards and forwards so that he could avoid sin. He was so frightened. And he was the role model of being a Yerechet, of being someone who feared the downside of being involved in sinning activities. Then we come to the next one, Rabbi Loza ben Arach. Now, he was very interesting. By the way, he was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's favorite Talmud. Rabbi Yochum ben Zakeh absolutely adored him. He thought he was fantastic in every possible way. And he is described as a Mayon Hamizgaber. He knew everything and um, he, he was so knowledgeable, but he was like a, a spring that gushes forth. Whatever information you gave him, he could deliver it. He could communicate it. He was a publicist. He could also, he could put together all types of information and create new information. He was a London. He, he was the type of person you can listen to for hours because he was incredibly knowledgeable, very, very bright and able to communicate even the most complex material in such a way that anyone could understand it and would enjoy listening to it. And it was just, you know, when you're next to a fount of knowledge, it's just so beautiful. You don't have to say anything. All you need to do is listen. And Rabbi Lazar ben Arach was so knowledgeable and so able to communicate that knowledge that his Rebbe described him. He's the ultimate communicator. He's the ultimate source of Torah wisdom. He can shower you with Torah wisdom wherever he is and wherever you are. The sad story is, however, that he got married and his wife came from a place called Emmaus. We're not quite sure where Emmaus is. Maybe it's Latrun. Maybe it's, um, it could be Kiryat Anavim. Somewhere near Yerushalayim, near the road to Yerushalayim. But it was a bathing town. And they had spa baths. And she wanted to live a healthy life. So she moved uh, with, with her husband, with the Rebbe Loza ben Arach, to this place. And he didn't have anybody to learn with. And slowly but surely... His learning was just not as good because if you learn on your own, it's never quite as good as if you're learning with others. It's called pilpul chaverim. The fact that you can interact with others is so important because they will they will unlock things that you didn't even know that you knew. And he was just not able to do that because he was in a place where they were all amaratsim. They were all ignorant of Torah learning. And he sat and learnt by himself. And then he was learning less and less. He was involved in his day-to-day -day life, his daily activities, until eventually he went once to visit Yamne, Yavne. And they called him up to the Torah and he couldn't read the bracha. He'd forgotten Aleph base. Can you imagine? 
But it's hard to imagine because we all have books around us all the time and we're looking at our computers and our watches and our phones and our whatever. So we, the thought that somebody might forget the Aleph base or the alphabet is inconceivable to us. But in those days, they didn't have printed books. And if you were in a place that wasn't a scholarly location, you may not have any books at all. He may have been working completely from memory. And his memory wasn't quite the same as his friend's memory, the Boer Sud, Rabbi Yeza ben Hirkinus, he didn't have that kind of memory, and slowly but surely things started to slip from his mind until he couldn't read properly. It doesn't mean he didn't know the letters, but when he looked at the letters, they didn't immediately appear to him in the way that they should have, and therefore he read them wrong. And there was such an outcry at this that they called on the help of Eliyahu Novi, who reinstall, reinstalled, as it were, his hard drive, who helped Rabbi Lozab and Aroch remember everything that he had forgotten. And once again, he became one of the great Talmidei Chachomim of his age. This Mayon Hamizgaber, who was Rabbi Lozab and Aroch, the favorite Talmud of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Huya Oimer, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai said, Im if you were to measure um, all of the Tamidei Chachomim in, the, in uh, the Jewish nation on one side against Rabbi Yezab ben Hurkanus on the other, then for sure, Machria is Kulam, Rabbi Yezab ben Hurkanus would outweigh them all. That's how great he was in learning the Boris Sud. Aboshol Oimer, but Aboshol said Mishmoi in Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai's name, another saying another statement by Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, and here's how we know that Rabbi Loza ben Aroch was the favorite Talmud. If Rabbi Yezab ben Hukunus and all the Chachmei Yisrael were on one side of the scale, the Rabbi Loza ben Aroch Rabbi Loza ben Aroch was on the other side, even though Rabbi Yezab ben Hurkanus was on the side with all the other Chachamim, Rabbi Loza ben Aroch would outweigh them all. So incredible was his both his knowledge and his masterful communication. He was a great communicator. All of these attributes are attributes that we should aspire to. We should try and always remember everything that we've learnt. And if we need help with that, then we have to do whatever it is that we need to do. We use mnemonics. We have to reread things, do chazara. We have to go over it a few times so that we remember it. We must try and remember our learning. We must try and be a person who people are going to say, I'm so happy that person was born. They bring good cheer into my life. They make me a better person. Just being around them puts me in the right frame of mind. That was Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananya, of course. Then, if you want to be a special person like Rabbi Yosia Cohen, that's also extremely important. That's an attribute worth aspiring to. Try and be a chosid. Try and be somebody who is going to be pious in everything that they do. And then we have Rabbi Shimon ben Asanel, who was a Yerechet, somebody who feared sin. We must also fear sin. We may never get to the level of Rabbi Shimon ben Asanel. We might not reach that um, incredible height of this particular attribute. But nevertheless, we must aspire to it. And finally, who can argue with being like Rabbi Loza ben Aroch? Who can argue with being not just a knowledgeable person, but a great communicator? Learning how to take the information and articulate it to others. Learning how to um, assimilate information in such a way so that when you talk to other people and you're trying to explain to them what you know, that they'll know it as well. That was Rabbi Loza ben Aroch, who, as we saw at the end of this Mishnah, was somebody who outweighed everybody else. We're going to leave it here until next time. Thank you so much for joining me for this Pirkei Avot Shir.